my website is the easiest website to use in the entire world. I'm an IT provider and I've got like 75 dif different things that I do, but I just popped it all onto my homepage, baby. Yep. All you need to go is to go to mycompany.com slash IT and you got everything right there. Here's the problem with that. Your website's not Where's Waldo. If your customer needs to search and look around and dig through lots of content yep. in order to find what they're looking for, they're going to give up. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at Digital Transformation Consulting Firm, Elevate IQ. Mastering SEO is no longer optional for e-commerce companies and manufacturers. If you are starting on your SEO journey, you will need to make decisions between SEO and PPC strategies. You will also need to understand the nuances of keyword strategies to identify the right targets that will help you meet your goals. Finally, you need to understand how to compare various channels such as PPC and SEO. In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss SEO strategies. We covered many grounds in this episode including the SEO framework and signals that Google cares for. We also discussed sitemap, machine-generated content, information architecture, and indexing and crawling patterns. Finally, we discussed why keyword research matters and how to choose between SEO versus PPC strategies. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. Dave, would you like to introduce yourself, if you don't mind? Of course. Hello, everybody, and so glad to be with you all. I am Dave Meyer with BusyWeb, and uh, BusyWeb is a growth marketing agency specializing in search engine optimization, of course, also inbound marketing and generating traffic for manufacturers. So we help folks get traffic, convert traffic, and convert those leads into a CRM. And uh, I'm also a speaker and trainer for Google. And so that's a big part of what I do in my daily life as well. And so I'll be providing a little bit of the expert, um, such as it is, content on how to optimize for search engines and get you found online. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for being here, Dave. And I love the way you chunk your sentences and, and, and phrases. And I think that's how Google likes to see things. I wish I could do that. You are next. Okay. Do you want to introduce yourself if you don't mind? Yes. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate uh, being here. Appreciate everybody in this group. I am the founder of Dotcom Jungle and we help uh, companies make and implement wise technology choices. Essentially, we make the tools uh, of your technology suite support the human activity of the business. We really like connecting that. Um, and I have another project called the Globally Conscious Leader, which is a leadership mentoring program that brings together uh, leaders in 
in the environmental responsibility world and especially outdoor industry to help mentor future leaders. Amazing. And Steve, I think you are going to bring a very interesting perspective to SEO because nowadays the machine learning and AI is getting really hot in the SEO content. There are a lot of tools out there that can generate machine generated content. And you have already done that before <laughs> machine learning was there. So I think that's going to be really interesting. Eric, would you like to introduce yourself next? Hi, yes, good to be here. I'm Eric Landman from Earthling Interactive. I'm the e-commerce division manager. Uh, we're an agency that will take the SEO concepts and reports and, and build out the solutions to solve the problems for the customers uh, from, from actually building the site perspective and also maintaining the sites. Okay, love it. And Eric, I think your background is going to be critical as well, just because you think more from the development perspective, and that is going to have significant implication overall on the SEO strategy. So we'd love to hear some of those stories. We're good at saying, well, we can mostly do that, but we can't do that. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Okay, Chris, you're next. Yeah, thank you, Sam. Chris Harrington, Gen Alpha Technologies. We equip manufacturers and distributors with the e-commerce tools they need to sell online. So uh, I think this is a really interesting topic today. I think there's been a lot of confusion in my space, uh, particularly B2B with manufacturers and distributors. What does SEO mean? How do we use it? So hopefully we'll break down some of that confusion for people today. I completely agree. I think there's going to be a massive value for the distributors and manufacturers who have never secured any traffic from Google before So this is going to be a massive insight. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Erin, would you like to introduce yourself next? Hi, thanks, Sam. Yeah, Erin Courtney, also with Earthling Interactive. I'm the digital VP of digital services. Um, I bet nobody listening to this has ever gotten an email that says they're going to improve their SEO by a thousand percent. Just call now. Uh, So you don't have to call them. Listen to this podcast. Or LinkedIn Live as it is. By the way, thanks for that comment. I think SEO game overall has changed a lot. These were the, and I'll let David speak on this one, and these were the, I guess, black hat strategies that people used to use to do the link building, but Google has got really smarter. Those strategies don't work anymore, so don't try them. You have to build real content on the website. Uh, again, I'll let uh, David speak on that. Right, guys. So thanks. Thank you so much for the intro. So today's objective that we are going to set for our audience is going to be really how to plan for SEO, how to get better understanding of SEO if they have never done it before. Uh, there are going to be things like strategies for keyword research, how to do the keyword research around brand planning, right? Then there's going to be link building. I don't know how many people are going to be familiar with this. Uh, this is going to be slightly more technical topic, but what we need to understand is what executives need to know about these strategies. So we are going to dig deeper into all of that. So Dave, do you want to start with just setting the stage in terms of how to plan for SEO? And I am actually going to give a little context here. If you look at a website that has never done SEO, you can tell by looking at it, right, that it's really bad. So how do you go from the point where you have never thought from the SEO perspective and now you want to get there so that you can get some traffic from Google. Perfect. Thanks, Sam. And I, I think one of the good parts of, you know, if you're looking at a website that's not been optimized for SEO, there's a good chance you're not going to be able to find it anyway. So, you know, it's it's just kind <laughs> of there and uh, and you're hoping for the best. If you're starting 
to optimize your website or you've heard about search engine optimization, the art of getting you ranked well on Google and other search engines, and you've wondered where to start, the biggest place to start is just by focusing on your content. So you want to be as useful as possible to the people that are searching for your business and think about what those people really need from your website. Search engine optimization should really be rephrased as help optimization. The more you can help anyone online, the better off you're going to be. And of course, you need to write for robots and you need to do all of that stuff. And I don't know how technical we want to get, but just to, to start right from square one, if I could, the web is a massive trillions of pages of content. And inside of that, Google, as a search engine, catalogs all of that information into little little snippets of information, right? So you can think of um, the, the internet as a library, and you can think of websites as books, and you can think of text as pages and or information on those books. And so if any of us remember those card catalogs that were in libraries, that's kind of what Google is. It's like the world's fastest and most amazing librarian handing out exactly what you need whenever you ask for it. Not just the right book, but the right phrase on that book, right? And it's all within a matter of seconds. How does Google do that? Well, it browses and it crawls every page with what's known as a search engine bot or spider. And it takes that information, puts it all in an index, and it ranks it by more than 200 signals that Google gets from its algorithm. So inside of this algorithm, there's 200 signals like freshness, how new a web page is. If you haven't updated your website in five years, not very fresh, kind of stinky, right? Yeah. And so Google's going to walk away from that. It's like, it's just not helpful. How prominent your information is, how much content you have on your website that matches a particular search query, and the authority of your page or how many other pages link to your website, as well as how trustable your content is. So there's all kinds of stuff that goes into the algorithm and ranking on, on, Google, on Google and other search engines. But that's basically it. People ask me all the time, what is search engine optimization and how do I rank better? Yeah. My one sentence answer is be as useful as possible to the people that are looking for you before they know your name. So what are the things that they're going to type for? Right. If you're Steve at dot com jungle. Right. And you're looking for marketing. And if you're Eric and Aaron at Earthling and you're connecting and building e-commerce websites, you know, Chris, as you're looking for e-commerce for manufacturing, what are those things that are in there? Or Sam with ERP. Right. For Elevate IQ. What are the things that people are searching for and making sure that you have the kinds of content that match that? Google's playing matchmaker. So I can and I have gone off for hours and hours about how all of this stuff is and how this all works. But just be as useful as possible and have the right framework inside of your website so that it shows up quickly and easily. And that's through things like having meta titles and descriptions, using image alt tags, making sure that you're linking and having the right link structure using tools like Google Search Console and other like tools to help you identify what you're missing and what you're indexing and what you're not. 
Um, but that's a lot. And I've already given probably more context. So I think as we look for the rest of the team and, and your input, just the framework that I wanted to give is, you know, we're just trying to make a big robot in the sky happy and help that robot play a matchmaker between what your customer is looking for and your website's content. So that's what this magic is. That's all that SEO is. And if you make it too hard to get found, Google's not going to show you. So that's setting the stage. How's that, Sam? Yeah, that's pretty good. In fact, I am going to build on top of that, and I am probably going to have some clarifying questions as well. Please, So yeah. that we can, we, can, we can have better context for our audience. So let's say if I am starting my business, I tried writing my content, and one of the things that you probably need to do is you need to figure out how to position yourself in one word. Here, as you had positioned that, okay, Steve, marketing, Eric, Magento, probably, Sam, ERP. So we all have our position in, in one word. But if you, let's say, ask a manufacturer, most likely they are not going to have their offering or the positioning in one word. So are they positioning each of the pages on their website for a specific keywords? Are they positioning specific segments of the website for the specific keywords? So how does this planning work? Let's say if I am a business, I am selling to, I don't know, maybe 10 customer groups. I have 2,000 different products. So what am I looking at here? So for getting found for number of pages or number of pieces of content, you know, yeah. you, you asked, you know, should I be optimizing my homepage? Should I be optimizing all of my different pages? The answer, of course, is yes on both. Yeah. But you have to go for where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Okay. As manufacturers, in as marketers, as people that are trying to forge that connection between what people are searching for yep. and what your website delivers, you need to focus on the highest bang for your buck. Yeah. And so when I'm starting with a client yep. and when I'm starting with, you know, someone that I'm speaking with on, on behalf of Google, yep. I'll always tell them, you know, your homepage needs to have keywords on it that match what your client's intent are. Yeah. And then you probably should focus next on the about us page. Now, yeah. This is a really weird trick that somebody at Google told me about. Okay. Focus on your About Us page. Okay. In order to get the maximum amount of lift on any given keyword or key phrase. Your website homepage is the top page that Google looks for, of course. Okay. The number two page that your website is searched for on Google is the About Us page. It's just the way the algorithm looks for it. So... If you have things that you want to get found for, maybe you have different services that you want to get found for. Maybe you have thousands of products. Having the categories categories of those products on your About Us page yeah. and linking to those categories and giving Google another way to find your content is a great trick to get found quicker and easier. So start with your, with your homepage. Go to your About Us page. Make sure that you're focusing on the information architecture of your website and making sure that every page links to the right content as quickly as possible. But then also consider cross-linking and going back. The more useful your website is to the people that are looking for your information, again, before they know your name, right? Yeah. They know what you do or they know what they're looking for you to do. Make sure that you give them that direct information in as many ways as possible and you'll start to rise up. Okay, that's very interesting. And I'm going to have one more follow-up question and an example as well. So as you know, nowadays, if you look at the website, then there is a trend of the single page website because that just looks good. 
it feels good to be able to score so yeah. in that scenario you are probably not going to have the about us page and we all have tendency to fall for the prettiest girl right and that's what happens in case of website as well that we want to fall for pretty but from the seo perspective are you telling me that that's not the right strategy and i should definitely have one more page which is about us and that should be linked somewhere on the site great example of this sam is someone that um came to me and they were looking to optimize their website and they're like you know what my website is the easiest website to use in the entire world i'm an it provider and i've got like 75 dif- different things that i do but i just popped it all onto my homepage baby yep. all you need to go is to go to mycompany.com/it and you got everything right there here's the problem with that your website's not where's waldo if your customer needs to search and look around and dig through lots of content yeah in order to find what they're looking for they're going to give up and they're not going to complete anything yep so you won't know that your website completed anything because there's nothing for them to click if you only have a one page website and you're just not going to have enough heft of content on your website if it's all just puked all over the page so if it's on one page not enough detail i'd want to see more cross linking i'd want to see a page for each of those different things that you do so that you can measure and see what people are actually doing so that you can go backwards and give cross links and give them additional context and links back and forth but having one page is bad for usability if it's bad for usability it's bad for findability and google won't rank you well interesting very interesting thank you so much dave now i'm actually going to move to steve steve what do you think so far do you agree with that uh, everything that has been said do you have anything to add in the insights that have already been provided but overall from the planning perspective how would you approach let's say if you were advising a client i agree with first everything dave said and uh, actually there's something he said there that i did not know about the about us page i didn't realize yeah. how important that was so it's great to have been doing this for 20 years and learn something new from someone like dave so thanks dave and you know he brought up uh, information architectures and for for bigger sites the kinds that i usually deal with big big outdoor retail or or any sort of retail environment you got a lot of products and the information architecture is huge and every page you make is a landing page and like dave was talking like if if you've got 2000 products and 4000 web pages how do you decide what to do right and and uh and he he likes to use let's uh, make yourself useful what i tell my folks to do is be yourself you know first of all if if you've got sleeping bags make sure that when somebody goes to the sleeping bags page you have some information that's useful that's from your perspective about sleeping bags and remember that sleeping bags is probably not where you're going to get your most bang for the buck because you the sleeping bag keyword you're now competing with every tom dick and jane that that sells sleeping bags and that keyword's expensive and you're really not going to come up number 1 for sleeping bags no matter what you do right but when you get further down that line and maybe you get into summer sleeping bags or men's summer sleeping bags or more specifically the men's north face cats meow 30 degree sleeping bag all of a sudden those are places where you can actually get mojo and you can actually come up higher and the, frankly walmart even if they carry north face or let's be honest nordstrom's actually does carry north face they're not they don't care about that long tail of the keyword they're actually going after sleeping bags and summer sleeping bags because their marketing department doesn't want to handle those little things so from a from a content perspective i i i say be yourself remember that your your company has a voice and the people that work for you have a voice and you need to use that voice and more importantly your customers have a voice and you can use them too 
you mentioned uh, machine learning, and and I, maybe I I, I miss. Uh, stated what it was we did before that made you think it was machine learning. But what, what we actually did was more, I'll call it human learning. We actually, one of the coolest things we ever did is for an outdoor store where we actually set up a system so that their staff could walk around the store and talk into any device, whether it's a phone or a tablet, and give reviews, and not just reviews, experiences about products. And, get, and that audio would get transcribed into words could be would automatically show up on the back end of the website could be edited in a matter of minutes and then pop back up on the front on the website on a product page with that person's picture and a user could then actually read not just i gave this thing five stars or this company gave expert customer service but something that says i use this hydro flask when i went snow camping and i made hot chocolate at midnight and when i had hot chocolate in the morning at 9 a.m it still burned my tongue which is more important kind of content than, frankly, what you get from Amazon. And it's more like what you get inside a store. So that's a way, that was a way for us to say to people, what, what is it that you do that's different? And how are we going to implement that in a human design-centered way onto the website? And more importantly, how are we going to make it useful on the back end so that people aren't having to sit down and get writer's block and, and basically write stuff that's not that interesting? That's so, super cool. I love that really idea. Cool. Yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. They actually had a customer up in the mountains record an audio file and say, like, I'm actually wearing my La Sportiva X4s and I'm at the end of a 17 mile day hike and my feet feel like pillows and the texted it to them. Oh, my and then gosh. They just that. changed the That's file amazing. name to the SKU, put it through the system. And like eight minutes later, that text was on the website, on that product page with that customer's picture. Very great. That's very that's cool. cool. Now that's yeah. being useful to your visitors. That's being that's very amazing. useful. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think uh, even though you had done this more from the human learning perspective, the machine learning trends are similar. They are trying to do similar things because especially when you look at the product pages, the majority of the content that you are going to have on those product Ages is probably going to be similar. So you can do the query replays on these pages and you can probably auto generate those. But now I don't know how Google is going to react on these pages in the long term because if everybody tries to do that, it just overload of information in my opinion. So they will figure this out, but I don't know how long this is going to go. I suspect Dave and I are going to have a similar answer because we've seen it happen. Um, and in, in the product industry, CPG, consumer product goods, what the first thing everybody did is they said, hey, Patagonia, can you write me a description for the R1 hoodie? Uh, and they said, well, just get it off our website. And then everybody copied and pasted it and said, great, our website has content on it. Google said, yeah, no, it doesn't. Patagonia had that on there two years ago. Yep. So we're putting you in the supplemental index, which is a really polite way of saying trash can, <laughs> right? And so, um, you know, a lot of the machine learning tools – once again, they're not human yet, right? Uh, yeah. Um, and so they're, they're not going to be able to say, I went river rafting yesterday and I used this and put ice in it and my iced tea was still cold in 110 degree weather on the Klamath River. So that the thing that I think that's interesting about the web right now is, I guess it's kind of always been this way, but we keep seeking these technological solutions to customer service issues that are around personal experience. Yep. And, and Amazon... It, we talked about this one time. They're great at process, right? They've got all these processes uh, nailed down, but the human experience keeps eluding them. And we know it when we go to Amazon and we look at a product page and 
and it has all these reviews that we know aren't real, that we suspect aren't real. And we also know it when we go to, when we're around the web anywhere else and we come across something that's not actually written by a human. So the challenge is, and, and Google's actually in our court in this, Google does want it to be useful. They are our friend. And they want the same thing we want, which is they want their customer to have a great experience. And we want our customer to have a great experience. So if, if we find some congruence there and figure out how to have our customer have a great experience, Google can measure that. If you're number one and they send someone to you and that person clicks right back to that search page and clicks on number two, you're not going to be number one for very long. They're going to start putting number two up there at number one and they're going to keep dropping you down. They know exactly how long people are staying on pages. So be yourself, make that original content, and uh, yeah, go from there. Watch the analytics and be smart. I agree with everything that you said, Steve. Thank you so much for those insights. Uh, Ellen, I want to give you a chance to uh, to share any comments or anything that you have related to planning. Well, I, you know, we're nerds over at Earthling, so we love the content. Uh, it's very important. But just as important is how smartly you put together the tools that you have on your website that are built to support your SEO and how well you manage those. And um, Eric, would you mind telling the story of the priority that one of our clients put? They had the sailboard seller and how much they emphasize SEO and how well they did as a result. I think you know the details better than I do. Mm, sure. It's a retail company selling sellboards direct to consumers and he wanted to be number one for a lot of sailboard categories kind of an ambitious goal um he didn't really care too much about the design or or what it looked like so much but he was more concerned with the construction of it and and the uh not losing any seo value when the site was rebuilt in a different platform so we used a similar platform just an upgraded version and was were we able to retain the SEO value? Now we're focusing on page speed, so there the theme itself can have a lot of things you can do from a, a coding and, and styling perspective to speed it up. So we use certain tools like um, Page Speed, which was mentioned, and also GT Metrics to measure how fast a site is and the various. Um, kind of buckets of things that Google looks at without getting into all the TLAs, <laughs> three-letter acronyms. They look at things like how fast the page loads, the first the first interaction that a user can do, like when it starts to come up, can they click on something? Can they type in a box? They, and then they look at if the, sh- if the page loads and does it then reload? Does it jiggle around? Are you waiting for something to load? And it gets all kind of jacked around and the user goes, well, that's, they don't like, Google doesn't, doesn't like that because Users don't like that. So now we're focusing on that, and that's it's an interesting set of tasks for a developer to do because this, this doesn't happen out of the box. Even the so-called platforms that are really so-called great at this, they actually really aren't that great. Um, Google's gotten really a lot tighter about how it ranks these things. And so you just you pretty much can't take a stock theme and have it score more than about 50% on Google page feed, it's just, it doesn't happen because it needs to be tweaked. And and what you put in the buckets, the pictures and the content, the number of images on a screen, all of that stuff has to do with the, the ratings that you get from Google. 
So that's what we do. That's a, Thanks, Eric. Yeah, that's a very interesting story. And I actually would like to go deeper into that with Dave. But I want to make sure that I am giving a chance to Chris as well. And here the stories from the B2B perspective, because those guys must be thinking, what the hell is SEO? Why am I going to Google now? <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely say that uh, if if I would have been listening to this conversation several years ago, I'd be like, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> and, you know, there's a learning curve here. And, and I want people to just maybe I can add some of the practical stuff here, especially in the planning side, because, you know, we have uh, companies that we work with that have over 250,000 SKUs online. And that means that they've got a lot of pages of products. So are, are we telling them that they need to have their meta descriptions and their meta titles uh, accurate for all 250,000 pages? Don't start there. That that would be overwhelming, right? And it, it goes back to thinking about what you want to rank for. And, you know, we use the 80-20 rule often in our business. I imagine a lot of you uh, refer to the 80-20 rule when you need to as well focus on the 20% of your products that are making up 80% of your business and get those right. I would say get those very clean, focus there, understand how SEO works within the tool that you've, that you're working with, because different vendors might have some automation that are applying to the site map, which is going to relate to how your products show up in the first place. So you, you, you need to understand how it works, make sure you're asking your vendor how it works, and then focus on those products where it really counts, and then see how you're doing. You know, you have to, again, I come back to analytics probably in every episode, but we need to be understanding how those pages are performing. There's ways to do keyword research on your own keywords. There's ways to do keyword research to see how your competitors are ranking. And typically you need some help with that. I know there's people on the call here that can probably help you with that. So that, I guess those would be some of my suggestions and some of the learnings that I've uh, had to go through as we've been working with manufacturers and their different websites. Yeah, I really like your 80-20 rule. Uh, I don't know if others are going to agree with that, but that does speak for volume overall from the SEO perspective. If you have thousands of products, sometimes that's going to be really overwhelming if you really need to create that awesome content that Google is going to rank for. So if you actually focused on that, you know, 20% that is bringing the most revenue, then you can probably ignore 80. I, I don't know if Dave is going to agree with that or not. We'll uh, hear his feedback. But one of the things that you mentioned, Chris, and I don't know if our listeners are going to be familiar with these terms. So, for example, sitemap. What is a sitemap? It's slightly more technical term in the SEO world. So why do these guys need to know about sitemap? Yeah, and I think Dave kind of mentioned it earlier, you know, what Google does, they crawl, they index, and they rank. And they at Google provides you with a sitemap, which is a template that you can use to put information so that it's easier for Google to crawl and then therefore rank according to the keywords that it finds. That would be my description of it. Uh, Dave, If I would welcome your yeah. additional comments there. Absolutely. You, you can also think of sitemaps as like a, a map that you're giving Google to say, hey, Google, here's where the important stuff is on my website. So you want 
the librarian to know that she has to take three lefts and then a right to get to that right book, right? So that's that's what a sitemap can do for a business. And uh, this this is uh, Steve said something really important that I want to go back to, and that's Google's job is to be as useful as possible. If you Googled for in in Steve's case Patagonia um, summer sleeping bag, and it sent you to a page of quacking ducks you probably wouldn't use Google very often after that, right? So Google's job is to give you exactly what you're looking for and to actually know that if I'm searching for summer sleeping bag, I'm probably looking for a specific kind of sleeping bag. And so it wants, they want to give you all of the different context and get you right to it. Even more important now that we have to also consider voice text or voice search. You can say, Hey Google, and ask Google anything. And we speak differently than we type. And so making sure that you're optimizing not just for the texts on your website, but what people would actually say if they were asking the big librarian in the sky to deliver just that exact right content is going to be incredibly helpful as well. So you know, as, as you're looking, and again, as we, as we go all the way back to where we started, making your website as useful as possible to the people that matter to your prospects and your customers is the name of the game for search engine optimization. They don't know your business name. They don't know your website address. They do know that they have this specific need. And so you need to optimize for that keyword, that key phrase, and make sure that all of those different key phrases are exactly on point and that you're doing it in the right way so that it shows up correctly in Google search results. You know, as, as we look at you know, large, large e-commerce sites, and especially as you look at the manufacturing side where there's thousands and tens of thousands, we ha- we've had on, on this um, event, we've had chats about you know, how all of these different things work and SKUs and products and all that. That's something that manufacturing has in spades that some you know, direct to consumer businesses are certainly B2B services don't have access to, right? So we have so much content available that you really do have a huge leg up in findability in Google because you have a lot of that available text, that yummy, yummy, tasty stuff that Google likes to chew up and spit out, right? So the more content that you have, the better you are, but you can't lose that you have 200,000 things on your mm-hmm. on your site and then just kind of say, oh, well, Google will sort it, sort it out at the end. That's where you need your sitemap. That's where you need to do the 80-20 principle and make sure that you're optimizing the living heck out of the ones that make you the most money, right? And make sure that you're going in and helping Google find that information as quickly and as easily as possible. There's one more little killer tool that I want to alert people to. Um, and I'll put this in the chat as well. But if you're wondering what people are searching for and where those searches might be trending, check out Google Trends. Google.com or g.co slash trends is incredibly helpful and neat, especially if you're a marketing geek like me and you're wondering, is are more people searching for summer backpacks or are fewer? And if they're searching for summer summer sleeping bags, are they also looking for something else? Right? Or what else am I missing? And Google will actually tell you that your job is to have as much of that high-powered, highly popular content 
on your website as possible. And it still needs to be relevant to your search. You know, if you just found out that, okay, everybody's talking about Jennifer Anderson right now or whatever, you know, putting a post or a page on your website about Jennifer Aniston, if you're a B2B manufacturer talking about a specific kind of widget is not going to help. But focusing in on all of the other things that people that are searching for your product might also be looking for if they're looking for you but don't know you yet is where the name of the game is. So you want to be as relevant as possible and as useful and as helpful and as as possible for Google and therefore for your users. And it's a virtuous circle if you're doing it right, right? You get ranked higher, you get more traffic, and then Google ranks you higher again, right? But if you fall off and you're not paying attention to this stuff, if you're not paying attention to the game of leapfrog that Google plays with visitors, you know, if, you're, if your competitor does something more relevant, they're going to leapfrog over you. Or if they update your, their website and you haven't updated yours um, less or in, in longer time, you're going to suffer in that algorithm. So you want to make sure that you're just paying attention to all of this. And SEO is never a one point in time game. You're constantly needing to give your website a little bit more love, a little bit more attention. You need to update because... There's so much that goes into all of these different things, those 200 plus signals that Google looks at. And if you're not paying attention to those and just giving them a little care and feeding, you don't have to boil the ocean every time, but you do need to improve the usability and the helpfulness of your website regularly in order to stay ahead of the game. Okay, amazing. So I think we want to move to the the discussion around keyword research, but some of the points that you touched, I guess, you know, that's going to be relevant to the keyword research as well. And I am really liking that this 80-20 rule, because nobody has plenty of money in our pockets. You know, we all want to be focused and we all understand how much effort is required in case of SEO. It's just too much work. So I really like these hacks that, you know what, focus on your highest performing products. Focus on those 80% of the or the 20% of the products that are bringing the highest amount of revenue. Focus on those home and about pages. And I don't know if I missed any other hacks there overall from the keyword research perspective. So let's say, Dave, if I'm performing keyword research for my site and if I'm talking to a marketing consultant, there's going to be a little bit of disconnect because they are going to speak a lot of marketing. I, as the executive, is probably not going to have as much background. And I need to probably blindly trust a lot of people because I just don't have enough information to be able to identify, you know, who's right and who's not. So how do you perform keyword research considering that 20% in mind because I don't have a million dollars in my bank account? Well, and if you did, you should talk to one of us first, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that's that's the big I agree. Point. Yeah. For, for keyword research and for looking at it, I mean, of course, using Google Search Console and and reviewing where your keywords are performing. I like a tool called SEMrush, S-E-M-Rush.com. You can just plug your website in and it'll give you all kinds of things and show you what the errors are on your website and kind of what the big owies are that, that you should look at. You kind of have to think of Search Engine also as like an ER doc and triage your website. If you've got a ton of broken links on your website or your website has no index, no follow on it, which is what a lot of web designers do when they're developing a website. If you forget to turn off that, hey, Google, we're closed sign hanging on the front of your website, Google's not going to search your website and you would be shocked. Actually, nobody on this call would be shocked, 
but a lot of business owners are shocked at how many times people just tell Google, hey, don't bother coming by, right? So, you know, looking at and triaging where the biggest problems are with your search engine optimization is a great place to start. So looking for tips on Google keywords and keyword research, um, there's the keyword planner tool that you can use through Google ads. And if you just Google keyword planner tool, that's the best way to get to it. But the key thing in research and in finding the right keywords for your business is identifying who your customer is and what they're going to search for before they know your name. If, if you provide a certain kind of thing, you want to make sure that you're meeting that need when they're searching for your keywords, what they would search for. If they didn't know about you, but they knew that they were looking for what you do, that's the keyword research that you should be doing. So making a list of everything that someone might type if they were your ideal client and they were looking for you, and then making sure that you're connecting on that front by listing all of those keywords and those phrases on your website. And there's a couple of things that Black Hat SEO folks can do. Black Hat is kind of the naughty SEO where they're trying to game the system. Google is very, very good at spotting people that are trying to game the system. And anybody that's trying to beat Google is going to lose. So again, just go back to being as useful as possible to the people that are trying to find you. You don't want to stuff keywords. Um, the general rule of thumb is don't include as in a general piece of content your keyword more than five and a half percent per weight. So if you have 300 words on a given page, having 200 words worth of content that are that keyword is going to wind up being flagged for keyword stuffing. And Google's going to say they're trying to game the system, right? You know, it's, it's the obnoxious guy on the corner that's just shouting the same thing over and over and over again. Google's not going to rank you well for that. If, however, you have useful content and you list it and you link back and forth to all, all kinds of other places, you look like the person that everybody needs to go to. If they're the ones or if they're looking for that particular solution, that's when you're going to start seeing better results. So I know I'm tap dancing around a little bit, but you know, keyword research, know thyself and make sure that you have the right content on your website to meet the needs of your users. And then the rest kind of takes care of itself. I mean, there's all kinds of tactical things that you should do. And I don't like getting into that stuff because it tends to make people's heads spin pretty quickly. But be as useful as possible and make sure that you're writing in Googleese without overdoing it. Okay, amazing. And I am going to be as useful as possible for our listeners as well. And I am going to move real fast here because you guys are offering super solid insight right now. And I want to make sure that we are able to cover that. So, Steve, uh, to you now. So a couple of things that you bring to the table is going to be this marriage of PPC versus SEO. Some people tend to prefer SEO. Some people tend to prefer PPC. When they look at these keyword planning or the keyword research, there's more to it. It's not that, you know, you are simply going to look at my long tail keyword and I just want to compete on that. Because if this is going to be super expensive, then probably everybody else is competing on that. So there's a lot of decisions that you have to make as the marketing consultant. And sometimes marketing consultant rely on the business owner to be able to make those decisions because they don't want to own it. <laughs> so what would be your advice, let's say, if you are working with an executive and they just don't know what they are doing? Okay, this is never have done SEO or PPC. And your role is to advise on the right keyword the right competitive keyword where they are not going to spend $2,000 and they are not even going to get a single phone call. So how would you approach the keyword research? Well, 
I'm going to harken back to, I think, what is really embedded in, in Dave's suggestion, which is that um, basically the, the keyword tools are out there. People use them a little bit too much. I think what Dave is really saying is like there's a real logic to what people are going to type in. Um, if you have the North Face Cat's Meow sleeping bag, they're not going to type in studded snow tires looking for the sleeping bag. And you're, you shouldn't name that product something that it is not. Likewise, you should not name categories something that they're not. To, for an example, this, this is logic. I think that Dave would apply to this. If uh, Let's pretend there's a small outdoor clothing company called Schmatagonia, right? And they've got hiking shorts and they've got men's outdoor clothing. What often people do who aren't thinking about it, and they don't sit down and do what Dave is suggesting, which is write it all out, they'll have a category called men's, and then they have another category called shorts, and they have a category called pants. And good luck competing on those keywords, right? I mean, you're competing with with every single clothing manufacturer in the universe for a single word phrase. You don't make pants. You make breathable hiking pants. Or you make uh, super industrial uh, rock-proof rock climbing shorts, you know, something that can put up with the abrasion of uh, Joshua Tree granite, right? That's different. So you need to name things what they actually are. And the categories are often the place where people don't do that. They say, oh, we have men's, we have women's. We call it men's and women's. That's not the right way to go. And a keyword planning tool is not going to tell you whether to do that or not. So, but if you sit down and you had anybody tell you, whether it's Eric, Chris, Dave, I, or you, Sam, just actually name them what they are, they'd go through and go, oh, okay, that makes sense, right? Now, as far as the, the, the connection between PPC and SEO, is it sometimes SEO, well, both of, the, both of them can be self-fulfilling prophecies because obviously if you buy a keyword in paid advertising, you're going to get that keyword most of the time. There are some times when you don't, but mostly you do. I mean, Google's pretty smart. Bing's pretty smart. And if you go, if you have a website and you've got incorrect keywords on your website and then you go into analytics, it's going to reinforce that your keywords are what people are seeing because that's what it's reporting because it doesn't have any other choice, right? So it's hard to make that decision as to what SEO or PPC matters. I think both of them matter, right? I think if you're, if you're looking, if you're advising the executive, like you're requesting here, Sam, you have to actually look at the state of the website and the state of their marketing department and what they're capable of. And you also have to recognize that nowadays, SEO isn't just about on-site SEO. There's also extra site SEO. And to give a quick example, if I'm a manufacturer and I make uh, sharpening widgets and I, I sell those wholesale to Home Depot and, oh, and Walmart and Eagle and Amazon, and I have them on my own website, and I have a YouTube channel that's not on my website. I have now multiple opportunities. Let's also mention that maybe I sell it to 250 uh, mom and pop shops in the United States. That's now somewhere in the order of uh, 270 different organizations that could potentially show up for a search, right? And one of the ways, uh, one of the search engine optimization techniques is to get other people out of those search results. And one of the ways you could do that is get Amazon and Walmart and Home Depot and Eagle in there along with you. So you you might actually own the top 10 results, but only one of them is actually coming to you. And I have a very successful customer who literally chose not to do any YouTube videos on their website. Most people will have a YouTube channel. 
and then they'll take the little YouTube clip and they'll post it into their WordPress blog and they'll have everything on their website too. And they literally said, we're just not going to do that. Our brand awareness is out there on YouTube and we're going to trust that we're so good and we're so recognizable with our brand awareness and we're offering such usefulness with these videos that people are going to come find us either by clicking on the link in the YouTube below the YouTube video or searching for us. And I actually argued against it and I was wrong. They, they, they proved me wrong. It was a great SEO tactic. And now YouTube shows up in the results where they want to. And it's just one click away from their website. So remember that that big picture is the short answer to your first question. That's amazing. And Eric, you had a comment. Do you want to go? Uh, yeah. To Steve's point about how you name things, <clears throat> not just like men's shorts or wins stand up pedalboard, that, that site that I was mentioning about sailboards, they, some of their categories are things like three-in-one stand-up pedalboard, wing surfing, Tahe brands. That's that's a particular brand, which I guess if you know sailboards, you know what to look for. Progressive freeride sailboards. So they're using that's a concept which has been mentioned here a few times. The long tail keyword, something somebody's going to type in. They have a category directly named that, and that is a really excellent way to get them to hit your landing page for those products. I do have a question, if I might jump into your role, Sam. <laughs> we have some customers who are manufacturers, and they make the same thing year after year. Suppose, suppose they make motors, and the motor has 220 volts, 50 amps, cranks at so many RPMs, it's blue. It's the same thing they sell over and over and over. How, how do you deal with that particular product, getting that to top of search results, if it's the exact same product that's been there forever? Nothing ever changes. That's a question I have. How do you how do you deal with that? Where Steve, who should you take, take that? One? User stories. Yeah, yeah. Every time somebody sells buys one of those things, you get their story, and you, you yeah. you've got to figure out that feedback loop and different and applications coming at it from as many other ways as that tool or that part could be used. Mm -hmm. um, no, I was going to say we we would do it from an application standpoint where we would take the show the motor used in a particular constructional application or particular mm -hmm. machining or that's that's how we would approach it and for the ones that are really really important and this is probably coming into the 80 20 stuff i like to create what i call pillar pages and a pillar page you can think of as kind of like the center of a hub or the for, and then you have spokes of different kind of content that relates to that keyword and that link back to that pillar page so you can think mm -hmm. of it kind of as a uh, an index of all of the other ways that you could use it. So if you have that kind of a product or that kind of a tool and it could be used in 12 different ways, you have the pillar page for that pay for that product. And then you have different pages all linking back to the other ways that it could be used. And as long as you link back to that original page, that's giving it more link authority, more weight every time you link back to that page. So that's another way to get around that. I do want to spend a, a second talking about long tail keywords and the usefulness therein. If you're in a large um, metro area, um, Sam, you're in the Toronto area. If you did, let's say, gosh, plumbing, Toronto, yeah, tough keyword to rank for, right? There's yeah. a lot of plumbers out there. There's a lot of electricians. There's a lot of trades. If, however, you did faucet repair yeah. for gardens, that's a much more specific application, a much more specific keyword, 
and much, much easier to rank. So you kind of have to focus on how you can get found by being more specific. The double benefit of long tail keywords is that not only are they easier to rank well for, but they tend to convert much higher because they're much closer to the actual intent. If I'm just searching for Toronto plumbing, there's a lot of different stuff that shows up, right? But if I'm searching, if I have a fairy garden in my backyard and I'm trying to activate a um, rain spigot or something like that, I, I'm just pulling this completely out of my head. I don't know what I'm talking about. But, you know, if you're going directly to that specific need, you're going to show up much more high or much higher and people are going to be much closer to their actual intent. So it's much likely, much more likely that it will convert. So having the most specific keywords and phrases you can get is going to be much more likely to get found and much more likely to get the business once people find you. Okay, amazing. So we are close to our closing time now. So Chris, I want to give you an opportunity. You have not spoken for a while. Do you have any comments so far from the B2B perspective? I, I love Eric's question about the motor and it's blue and it, they sell it all the time. I would tell you that a strategy that one of our customers did put into place was that in their website, they did link to products that are standard for them that they sell over and over. So within website pages, like maybe they have some document pages where they could link to the item detail page within the store so that those backlinks are created. And we know that SEO likes backlinks. So that was a way where they were able to introduce some tactical ways to see if they could rank higher for those things that they do sell over and over again. So, but I'm, there's a lot of great information here and I I think people are going to learn a ton. Yeah, I think I wasn't very positive if we are going to get a lot of insight from this session, but I think this can go for like days. That's the feeling I have right now. Okay, so guys, I mean, the only thing we can do right now is take the closing advice in one to two sentences. So Dave, I'm actually going to start with you. What's your closing advice for executives? Be as useful as possible for the people that don't know your business's name and make sure that content is on your website. I really like the way you emphasize on the usefulness. Thank you so much for that, Dave. Steve, what is your closing advice? Rather than using humans to technologize your business, use technology to humanize your business. Love it. Eric, your closing advice. Yeah, better. I would say from a, from a developer perspective, there are systems that do things automatically but you, your average site out of the gate isn't going to rank very high because of constructional problems, so you need to get that reviewed and fixed. I agree, and that sort of ties together with uh, what Dave said. You need to really make it useful, and if the boilerplate was useful, then probably we would not exist in the market. Right. So, yeah, so you really need to customize for your business. You really need to customize for your business transactions. Uh, Chris, what is your closing advice? I I would say to the audience that we really work with, stop doing nothing. We have a lot of companies that are doing nothing, and and that's not the right strategy either, right? So if you want to establish authority, identify the products that you should be establishing that authority with, and then make yourself useful with those uh, products. So that's what I would just build on on top of what everybody else has said here. I completely agree. If you are going to completely ignore, it's almost like comparing the SEO presence or Google presence to a physical store. The way Steve likes to emphasize and Kurt Anderson likes to emphasize that as well. And if you don't have that physical presence, anybody can, can move you out from the market. So you have to have that presence 
in terms of SEO, even if it is going to be a tiny mini store <laughs> in the Google's world. On that note, guys, I really want to thank you for your time. This was the SEO conversation. If you are joining for the first time, we meet every week on Wednesday at 4.30 p.m. and we cover one topic. We bring you super compelling experts that share their insights. And as you can tell from today's conversation that it is super compelling. So don't forget to join next week. On that note, thank you again, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. See ya. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Eric Landman or Aaron Courtney, head over to earthlinginteractive.com. It's E-A-R-T-H-L-I-N-G-I-N-T-E-R-A-C-T-I-V-E dot com. If you want to learn more about Chris Harrington, head over to genalpha.com. It's G-E-N-A-L-P-H-A dot com. If you want to learn more about Dave Meyer, head over to busyweb.com. It's B-I-Z-Z-Y-W-E-B.com. If you want to learn more about Steve Rice, head over to .comjungle.com. It's D-O-T-C-O-M-J-U-N-G-L-E.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Steve Rice, who discusses why congruence is the most important factor to optimize product category, architecture, navigation, user experience, customer journey, and campaign design. Also, the interview with Jeff White, who discusses why it is so important to identify the ideal customer profile for your offerings to streamline your growth. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.